one of the winners of the midterm elections, the climate. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Last Tuesday's election was really good for the climate. Voters did not create the massive red wave that could have swamped efforts to combat global warming. Instead, there could be an emerging green wave supporting climate action. Among the winners, the Inflation Reduction Act passed by Congress in August, which combines decreasing greenhouse gas emissions with economic development and supports electric vehicles and renewables. Not a single Republican voted for it. Even though the legislation may not be all that's needed to reduce carbon dioxide emissions, it's still the country's first comprehensive climate law. Now with the Democrats controlling the Senate, it's unlikely Republicans will be able to obstruct Biden's implementation of the act. In addition, voters in New York passed a proposal that will spend $4.2 billion on water infrastructure, climate change mitigation, and environmental projects, all while adding 100,000 jobs. They also kept Governor Kathy Hochul instead of a challenger who had pledged to lift a ban on fracking. Democratic governors who support combating climate change were elected in 10 states, including Wes Moore of Maryland, who put climate change at the center of his campaign. In Massachusetts, the Democratic Attorney General, who sued ExxonMobil for misleading about global warming science, was elected governor. In the first two weeks of the COP27 climate conference in Egypt, the talks were focused on keeping warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, and they included a warning about the risk of not succeeding. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres implored world leaders to act, saying, we're on a highway to climate hell with our foot still on the accelerator. For the first time, the agenda includes funding for loss and damage, which nations most impacted by climate change have been demanding. But so far, only five countries, not including the U.S., have pledged funds. During the conference, more than 25 countries, which contain over one-third of the world's forests, launched a partnership to reverse the loss of trees and land degradation. The U.S. is launching an initiative in a partnership with the Rockefeller Foundation and the Bezos Earth Fund for a voluntary carbon trading market to boost investment in clean energy projects in developing countries. New regulations on methane emissions were announced by the U.S., Canada, and Nigeria and small island nations aligned to call for a windfall tax on big oil, which the Prime Minister of Antigua told the conference is profiting as the planet burns. There may be more than 33,000 people at COP27, and activist Greta Thunberg tweeted that more than 600 of them are linked to fossil fuels. She added, if you want to address malaria, you don't invite the mosquitoes. Most of the substantive work at COP27 occurs during the second week that ends on Friday, November 18th. When bees or butterflies set out to find pollen or nectar, they rely on numerous cues to remember which plants to visit, from a flower's pattern, color, or shape, to its fragrance and even changes in humidity. And recent research has shown that bumblebees can sense a flower's electric field through tiny hairs on their heads and bodies. These so-called E-fields arise because flowers are negatively charged and the atmosphere is positively charged. Bees are also positively charged, so their floral flybys change the electric field around a flower for up to two minutes and signal to any insect in the vicinity 
that nectar and pollen might be tapped out. But new research out this week showed that spraying fertilizers and pesticides can disrupt this delicate dance and confuse pollinators. That's because the chemicals also have a charge and can change a flower's electric field for up to 25 minutes, much longer than a shift caused by the wind or a bee's visit. In the study, bumblebees avoided lavender plants sprayed with fertilizer. The chemicals might be stressing the plants enough that they produce compounds which change the electrical field. We already know that many fertilizers and pesticides are harmful to pollinators, and this new research might lead to better ways to do agriculture so it's not literally and figuratively a buzzkill. And finally, scientists have found a new way to remove microplastics from water. And the solution could be sitting on your breakfast table. Researchers at Princeton used egg whites to create a material that not only removed plastics, but also salt from seawater. The egg whites were freeze-dried and heated to 900 degrees Celsius to create an aerogel of interconnected strands of carbon fibers that can filter salt and microplastics by up to 98%. They say the material is less expensive to produce and more effective than activated carbon, which is currently one of the cheapest methods to purify water. Also, compared with reverse osmosis, which requires a significant amount of energy, the egg white solution requires only gravity to operate and wastes no water. And it didn't matter if you scrambled or fried the eggs first, it still worked. The team said other proteins also worked, which is crucial to making sure the solution does not affect the food supply. So it's no yolk, egg whites can filter water. That's it for this week in water. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.